The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 121 of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and today I am joined by the ever-erect Mike Fallick. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I love this new this new title. It's amazing to me. Um, and I challenge you. I don't challenge you to refute me. Please, stay, stay away from me. Please don't. Please, please, please don't. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm a filmmaker, documentarian, podcaster, artist, uh, animator, a lot of different things because the world demands all too much of artists <laughs> in this modern age that so we have to do. And I don't know what else I can do. I could claim to, you know, I don't know, fix your house. I can't. I can't fix your house. I can't fix it. I mean, you can claim to do it. It doesn't mean you actually have to. That's true. I can claim anything I want. Yeah, I'm a licensed electrician. <laughs> <laughs> In in one location, and you just only, in my you went... in my house with my <laughs> Sega Genesis. That's I'm licensed to do that in this area. I can <laughs> I can set up your DVD player. Do you own a DVD player? No. Um, that's it. I I actually do. I still I do have too. a DVD player. I have so many things that play DVDs in my house. But let's not get too far afield. We've no. already learned how much we can nerd together. Yes, yes, and um, and I will say uh, right here as well. Yeah, we actually have enough pre-recording recording to uh, put out a extra episode, which is what I will do. I think next week. So I will uh, I will put that out a week after this one comes out. So there you go. Um, but uh, but yes, so we are going to be talking about your documentary, Telephone Dieting, and uh, I. I will say the first thing that comes to mind for this was how the hell did you get the idea for this? <laughs> so um, it started with getting uh, the press rights through 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 lots of different things. I got press uh, passes to a bunch of different food festivals, um, kind of doing uh, a bunch of different uh, other other stories and different things. And um, we got the press passes first to make something totally different. Um, and what we thought we would do is we would be going to these food festivals and getting, essentially seeing if we could find something about the zeitgeist of these festivals or trying to find the personality of person that would go to something like this and maybe even getting into the culture of waiting on lines and things like that. And um, that's not what it became. What it quickly became was that a you couldn't make a movie about food without getting into bigger issues which was a crazy idea in itself that like you couldn't just make a movie about food that there's all <laughs> these deeper issues in it and it became this bigger thing of of talking to people about food and feeling like every time i would talk to people in the same country and in, in a lot of instances in the same town and feeling like i was talking to someone from a totally different culture um and it became a thing of how insane and 
out of hand the world was, or not the world, but uh, the world of food advice was, and to just listen to people with these steadfast convictions, and then to go to an event or to go to a place the next day and be like, wow, this is this is totally different. Um, and then we ended up bringing in, essentially telephone dieting was, every time we would hear somebody talk about dieting, it would never be from a book. It would never be from an accredited uh, doctor or medical professional. It would always be from, and in fact, in some instances that we'll get into, people did have advice from doctors and would ignore it. Um, and uh, it would always be from somebody else. And I said, it's like the game Telephone. It's like, And then the, the movie became like Telephone. What I'll do is I'll, I'll go around and when I interview people, I'll tell them stories. And I'll, I'll, it became about communicating stories, communicating ideas through and seeing how they would react to it. And then here, thinking of a new story and bringing that to someone else. And so the, the movie itself is a game of telephone. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's, we explained it at the beginning of the movie where you, uh, and different, I've learned different areas have different names for it, but um, essentially you whisper to the person next to you something and you see how, how close it is to the original at the end, which it rarely is, you know, um, Right. We didn't say this in the in the movie, but so we sort of saw these diets as being like like the game of telephone. And we didn't say this in the movie, but I would get information from people and go, some of that sounds true. And I would look into what the actual thing was and how far off they were. One of which was <laughs> hot dogs was there was a study about the a data study, which is different than a regular study about the correlation between hot dogs and people who got certain types of cancer. And there was a correlation that showed that there might need to be a study into it. And that was compounded with an old um, technique of preserving hot dogs. And they used to use it to preserve beer, too, that was proven to be cancerous as well. And so this combined into this thing of reinforcing preserved food. And so uh, that was a big inspiration for it, too, this moment with this hot dog thing, where it was like, oh, like some of that's true, but you <laughs> have it totally wrong. Right. Yeah. And um, I will say, uh, with you saying there are different names for it, uh, the name that I grew up with in England uh, for that specific game um, is a name that it would definitely not be called now, which is Chinese Whispers. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd get on the ground and sit Indian style and play Chinese whispers and then we'd all get a lesson in racial intolerance. But yeah, I mean, that's how but that shows that shows how old the concept is and how aware people I mean, it's so offensive, but but uh, it shows how aware people have been for a long time about the flaws of communicating things from secondhand sources is that yeah. it's so old that there's a racist name for it. Yeah, and and you know, as you genuinely think about it, like it's a kid's game, as you say in the film, like the entire point of the game is that information passing from person to person, the end of it is like, well that sounds nothing like what the original message was. And then for some reason it feels insane that no one is able to then go oh, so this fad that you heard about from someone that their friend told you about, that their cousin was sort of like, and they're just like, yeah, this is what it is. Like, yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> are you sure yeah. about that? <laughs> and, and, and it's 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 endemic too, right? Like that was the thing that we always focus on in at, at, at our film production company. We always go, the middle ground is the most interesting because we, we, we set out at the beginning, we're like, we're not going to talk to healthy people. 
which we couldn't really find. We found very few people with a healthy attitude towards eating, uh, which is indicative <laughs> as well. But uh, we're not going to talk to healthy people. And we're not going to talk to people in the extremes in the throes of an eating disorder. And it, we, we, are, we always sort of focus on the gray. And one thing that was we said was like the gray here is so universal. And the gray here is like, you know, what makes you think you should say that to somebody? Do you have everything right? Right. And why is this lesson not being gotten across to people? Um, and it was pretty easy to unhinge almost any, you know, I don't think of myself as some mind wizard. It was pretty easy to just unhinge people by saying like, okay, can you explain that? And then when they're like, no, or they sound <laughs> crazy or explaining it is like, well, now they think they're crazy and they think that they've got it right. And sometimes they might have it right, but they kind of start to realize it. And you see it in, like you see it in news too, right? That was the other universal thing was like not to get into the news, but like I often have this thing where it's like I'm reading an article here and you're just summarizing a press release this company put out. Why am I reading your article? Just put out the press release. The company put out the press release. You're, you're, so there's this acceptance in uh, a media culture to be like and just in, in information, you know, like not information in the way you might think of it like the information business, but like in the way we pass information that is like, why aren't you just giving me the source? Like, it's easier now than ever to stop talking and text me a link. You know what I mean? And yet, we, and what we're learning is it has to do with identity. Is that, you know, identity is a big part of, uh, of this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of people that, that do build their identity around their diet or their way of living. And I, I have known one or two people that... Uh, um, as I believe comes up in the in your documentary, like they are vegan. Mm -hmm. um, now, most of the people I know who are vegan, perfectly fine. They're absolutely a-okay. Doesn't matter if you eat meat around them, whatever. They're cool. But I do also know a couple of people who are vegan and will let you know every time you go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we went to the vegan food festival. And what's crazy about that is before we shot that, I had known I was going to the vegan food festival, and the Boston pizza festival. And I brought up to our two um, dietitians. I said, I'm going to the vegan food festival. And she warned me before <laughs> we went. She said, uh, Joanna Sulman said they will consider it to be a part of their personality a lot of them will start to respond and kind of feel as though you're attacking them and not the diet. And, and assumingly every time that, that is what happened in a lot of, a lot of instances, we, we did run across it, but we also ran across the idea that, you know, they were still people really interested in this stuff and they were not aware of people asking them reasonably what they're doing. They were very used to people asking them unreasonably saying things like, well, you, uh, you know, why don't you just eat meat, just be normal and things like that. And you could tell in a lot of them, because I spent, I, I get to spend quite a bit of time with these people. Um, and your friends, your friend, you're being friendly with them. That's part of doing an interview is just being nice. They are giving you your time and you want to know, you want to learn information. You never want to go out being like, I'm going to get this person. You always want them to divulge everything that they know. And people don't divulge things when they think they're being attacked so you want and and also you don't know that what they're going to divulge is going to be bad they could be a great source of good they could be a great source of happiness and and you don't going out with this gotcha attitude which is things that people accuse journalists of it's like it's just not practical because you're, you're spending time with them you want to enjoy your life and a lot of them were just taken aback to be like i don't know it's just like 
you know, something that everybody knows. Everybody knows this. And then when you go, yeah, but explain it. They, they really, they really couldn't. And I think a lot of them, there's, I think there's only one person that kind of responds in a way that I could tell I upset her. Um, but most of them really responded in this way of like, I don't, you know, and it made for an uninteresting documentary in a lot of ways because we had to edit out quite a bit where people are like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it. <laughs> And it was like we had a lot of footage of me dumbfounding people, but all that does is prove that somehow I found a blind spot, and that's not—it doesn't make for good TV. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would—I would ask, I was going to ask if there was um, like any any issues you ran into or any problems, um, and obviously that would be a main one that the original focus of the documentary turned out to just kind of be sort of boring. <laughs> when it got down to it but uh yeah. like, would you say that a lot of the people that you were asking these questions to were they typically dumbfounded by the same questions each time or was yeah. it different things yeah i asked everyone what a nutritionist was nobody knew what a nutritionist <laughs> was i asked everyone um why why do you think that and a lot of times they didn't know food professionals was 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 the place that I, I I here's what I thought I thought it would be while while talking to someone from across the pond, um, uh, I thought that we would get a film a lot like the one of my favorite British creators, uh, Creature Comforts. I thought we would get all these very nice sort of it would be a calm movie, people talking about why they go to these things and talking about food and things like that and be this thing. But in reality, the people that were going were either just following a fad. Um, or were altogether boring. You know, uh, they, they are just average people. They didn't have any sort of wise country wisdom. They were sort of people just going to these things because they heard about it. Um, right. The music was a huge issue. This event, and I, we talk about it in the movie, but these events are so chill. Like a lot of times you just pay a certain money and then you get like a certain amount of food or you pay, you're paying cheaper or you're just, you have like a bunch of, uh, you have like an easy line and the food is ready. Like they're making a ton of it. It's so chill and the vibe is so chill, but the creators of these events really seem to think that it's a party. Um, and that was a big issue for the calmness of it was like, I would go in and we knew right away. I, a, I annoyed every single event creator because I was like, I want to be in early. I want to be in, you know, before everybody else. I want to talk to people while they're setting up. And we had one instance where our, we, they wouldn't give us the press pass until a certain hour. And I was like, but I want to get in huh. because I know you're going to set up this music and I know you're going to do this stuff. And so we had a limited time, uh, to talk to a lot of these people or then it became, well, because of the nature of our microphones, we can only interview people on this side uh, because right. we know our uh, the, the, if we set up the mic in the right configuration, we'll cut out the music. Um, trucks were another issue I didn't consider. Um, these trucks are running to keep the to keep the mechanics going, and so we had to do a great yeah. deal of sound work to pull out the hum of the cars um, and. Uh, Actually, one of the things that you'll notice if you're a sound file is we added extraneous sound profiles to a lot of the areas we made instead of uh, it's sort of a film technique of leaning in. So you have a production problem and instead of trying to make it perfect, like uh, let's take Star Wars, for example, which I know you haven't seen, um, <laughs> we, uh, take Star Wars. Every scene on the Millennium Falcon is done in a plastic ship. It sounds very bad in the original movies. They're done in this big plastic ship. Plastic makes everything sound like you're talking uh, into a solo cup, you know, a Han solo cup. You're talking into like a, 
and it makes it sound bad. And so every single line on the Millennium Falcon is redone in a studio and every single sound is, is redone. Well, we, we really had a problem with sound in this movie and we had to have creative solutions to lead into it. One of which was underneath every scene, we added nature or cityscapes so that you would be used to the overall um, heightened sound. Uh, uh, yeah. And I think it makes for a more pleasant experience and kind of using some lessons I've learned from ASMR um, that, that I, I think it's a better movie than some other movies where I've had perfect conditions and perfect sound and everything sounds really great. Yeah. Well, yeah, and obviously you're interviewing people at a food festival. Now, I will say... Uh, like based on watching it, I couldn't tell that you were interviewing them uh, at a point where there weren't really any crowds there. I mean, ob- there are some things where you can see, okay, it's not that busy, but you can't tell that there's, maybe you're talking to them before it's opened or after they shut down. So, uh, like, yeah, having that just sort of background noise of you can kind of hear people conversing in the background in that you know background hum that you get uh yeah that was uh, definitely uh, <laughs> something you would expect in that field and so. that was something we actually we actually came across that too where in some instances because i have an experience in in podcast editing and sound editing i was able to create a cut and i was like well this is a cut with no like i isolated their voice their voice is at a certain frequency and they're close enough like they just have their voice and ultimately when we watched the cut me and reans who's my producer and partner she was like, it's, uh, it's eerie. You need to add more noise in this scene because it actually sounds like it sounds like somehow you've kidnapped them or something <laughs> like it's a, it doesn't it doesn't quite work. I'll say that with th- with things being busy and stuff, you know, one of the events we go to is the Buffalo Wing Festival. And I sort of had this instinct and you can never really know as a journalist or a documentarian why you have these things. But I sort of had this instinct when we showed up as like. I think these people aren't really going to get what I'm asking because the main reason we went to Buffalo was for the original idea of the documentary, which was these people sort of obsessed with this culture of going out. Um, And I wanted to ask them all about, do you think that, you know, Buffalo wing spiciness, this over spiciness is fetishizing. And we ran that by a lot of people as being like, you know, oh, this impressing stuff with spiciness and this is a trend on the Internet and all these things. Don't you think that's weird? Do you think there's something going on? And people had very few interesting answers. And so I kind of knew, like, we need to get something better. And we ended up getting the most enlightening thing from that festival, which I guess we're trying to stick with the, the plot, as it were. But um, <laughs> that if you're asking about production problems, it's that this was a movie where I genuinely, I think for the first time in making a movie, I genuinely didn't know what, what you can't know, right? It's a, it's a movie that's based on asking people about their experiences, and we don't know what their experiences are going to be. You know, we, we, we had right. no idea. So the movie had to change. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can, when you were talking about uh, you know, the whole Buffalo thing and obviously the, the spiciness and all of that sort of, it's like, uh, as you were saying, I can see what you're trying to ask there but uh i can also see that there would be a large number of people that either wouldn't care enough to have thought about it before yeah or genuinely wouldn't understand what you were trying to ask so yeah <laughs> you would you would have a lot of people just being like um no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and that 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 was a big that was a big part of it and um it, 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 it's this thing, right, where it's like 
it's like pointing out to somebody that they uh, that they don't understand a math question, right? They might not understand that they don't understand it, and that doesn't mean that they're stupid. It means like, oh, like I guess I didn't was doing the math wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's like they they they're not gonna they're not gonna have an itch. if they it's a catch twenty two with a lot of right. these diet things. If you think about it all the time, you think you're right. Right. If you think about your diet all the time, you obviously think you're right, which in a lot of cases obviously means you have some issue thinking about your diet all the time. You're at the most risk. But if you don't think about your diet all the time, you're sort of healthy. You have a healthy relationship with food in that you don't think about it as in it doesn't bother you. You've built whatever big good habits. You don't think about it. You're very boring. <laughs> so <laughs> it's this thing of where you're tr you, we, we, which I think we did successfully. You can tell me if, if we didn't. You have to tread this fine line between humiliating people who are probably in a little bit of a, not a mental health crisis, but like they're a little bit having a thing that they don't know about and sort of finding people who are boring. So you have to tread this line between making it interesting without like making people feel foolish, um, which I think, I think we did a good job of. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I will say at this point, uh, we are definitely going to get into quote unquote spoilers. Um, I, mean, it's I think it's fair to say it's, for a documentary. In this yeah. documentary, it's fair to say. Yeah, it can be a little difficult to properly talk about a documentary without talking about the whole documentary. Um, uh, but yes, uh, so one thing I really wanted to touch on was around about, you know, just, just about halfway, two-thirds of the way through is when you kind of switch gears to having this idea for a diet product um that uh that you make and it's like when you got to that i was like oh this could go very badly because <laughs> 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 uh, i mean uh, so what uh first and foremost uh the the idea that you had for this where you came up with this uh you know, just one thing that they <laughs> did and uh, i won't go too much into that so that uh, people can still watch the documentary and see what it is but did you have any other ideas that were floating around before you were like no this is what we're gonna go for that pun came really quickly when you're when you want <laughs> the, the slogan rather came really quickly which was um when it, uh when you with the, the fake the fake product or real product really was right. um because uh, i have the bag still um <laughs> uh was when you when you say you're going to have just one have just one just one um was that that idea came out pretty quickly for whatever it was going to be the idea was like oh you know initially it was everybody's been there where you're like i'm just going to have one i'm just going to have one you know whatever a cookie or whatever you never right. have just one. And so that pun came out pretty quickly. The idea of what it would be um, uh, uh, was later. Um, okay. And that, that came second. So the pun came first because that was just – I found that so – that's very in my humor and that's very in uh, Reen's, my partner, and my producer's humor of – just you know, have just one, just one. The, the <laughs> idea of this insane slogan that you could totally see that people don't know how crazy it is. Oh, absolutely! And I was actually kind of waiting for the uh, the tagline in the like mock commercial for it, where you would have said something like, "You can have just one." Like, yeah, you know, obviously a play <laughs> on the whole thing of you can't have just one. You so, can't have. Oh yeah, yeah, you can't have just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we missed it. We missed it. 
yeah. Uh, so yeah. just one is uh, it, it, while we're in the spoiler section is a bag right. of air. Yes, um, <laughs> I ordered. Um, essentially, we ordered these what what are marketed as um, if you sell like. Uh, if you sell a product on, you, I think it's primarily for people that sell stickers and T-shirts and stuff. But you can buy um, these packagings that instead of getting a mail, a piece of mail, which usually now we're very into discrete mail or branded mail from a certain company, uh, it's branded for this company. So if you sell T-shirts, the person gets ah gets gets a T-shirt on the front. It says you know. Blockbusters T-shirt company, and so you can order these things in bulk that are these envelopes, and we also ordered uh, the air packages that you see uh, when you get when you get mail that has like something sensitive or like fragile in it, and they fill it with those air pockets, and and that yeah. was what we we gave to these. Uh, that was our product. <laughs> yeah, I I will say one sort of unexpected uh, comedy part to that whole section was uh and i i don't know if everyone had this issue but you you really only showed it with the one person uh i think the one guy it took him probably a solid 40 seconds to open it (laughs) yeah yeah well he was he was well i'll tell you something so essentially what we did was we got i said i know i can get influencers i've had experience dealing with craigslist and hiring people in this way before um in trying to do stuff that was less like like less crazy, less like I've just made a <laughs> fictional diet product uh, yeah. and more legitimate and had experience knowing that people will respond on Craigslist if you put this out there. So I put in other words, I've had the problem of having to deal with these people <laughs> in the past when I need like, hey, I need someone to do rotoscoping. Uh, do, are you able to do this? And so uh, we put this call out uh, for influencers to sell this product and we would give them the product for free and we would pay them for social media posts, um, which was coming off the trail of the FTC really cracking down on people that made these medical claims. Now the product is vegan. That's true. Air is vegan. No animals are (laughs) killed in the process of (laughs) making air. Um, the, I am a nutritionist, which of course anyone can be a nutritionist. Um, I think it's paleo is on it. I have the thing up there. Let's see if I can read it. Paleo. What else? It's gluten free. Um, this is all true about air, which the product right. is. Um, <laughs> so we got all these people to come in and um, sell it. He was, interestingly enough, you say, he's, it, I don't know if everybody has a problem. Nobody else tried to open it. Huh. So it, it, all the other people that came in, when, when, when shown this product, they didn't think to open it. <laughs> so, so him comically trying to get this thing open, because admittedly, I had never tried to open it because <laughs> I wanted all of them. I put these little airbags in them and I made, you know, I made like 70 of these bags. So it looked good on the table. You know, there's even more that aren't even on this table. You know, I made too many. We wanted them to look good. So I had never thought to see if it opened. And I, and I, uh, we had a second camera that uh, had issues. And so we never ended up using the footage from it. Um, but if you would have seen me on camera while this guy is trying to open this bag of air, I'm there like, I hadn't even thought they would open it. I didn't even think they would open it. And so I'm kind of like, oh, okay, okay. And he was the last one of the day. So everyone was there. He was definitively the only one that, that tried to open it. A lot more were interested in the empty. There were some empty bags there without air. Right. Um, which, assumingly, I guess I could tell them to fill with their own <laughs> breath and sell. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's insane then. Yeah, I, I can't. 
I can't believe it took until the last person before someone was like, I'm going to see what's in this. Because surely if you're going to try and sell the product, you'd want to see the product. I mean, oh, there are several times where you say, like, this is it. It's just this. <laughs> um, but even if someone told me this is the product, it's just air, I would still be trying to open the product and be, no, it, can't, it is. Okay. Yep. It's just air. <laughs> there is this myth on the internet with influencers that they are very professional. And I've outside of this worked with, with influencers, big, I'm talking big, big influencers doing editing and video work. Not to mean that I have, you know, any stake and obviously you're seeing that I'm not mentioning them by name, right. but uh, <laughs> they are the least professional. And this whole thing, if you don't know the, the scandal with the FTC was essentially these influencers had this business model and someone showed it to the FTC and was like, everything about your business model is illegal. Um, and when you talked and after the scandal came out, I was still working with influencers and I said, you know, you can't do X, Y, Z. And they were like, well, that's exactly what I do. And I was like, you don't. <laughs> and, and, and then you would say that to them and they go, are you sure that that's what they were going after? And I was like, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm sure. Cause I, I know the law like most people do. And they, they are very much of this thing that the bigger they get, actually, the less professional they are. And so when you're, when you're at this small level, too, of people wanting to get into it, it's this thing of copycat culture. It's, it, it's actually an element of telephone dieting that we didn't get to get into because I had some influencers lined up. And shockingly, influencers are crazy. Um, and no, no, the people who, who will just take a video of their dog and say, buy this. Yes. Um, they, um, it's, it is telephone dieting where there's this thing where, and I made a documentary about small podcasters too, where you say to small podcasters, what's your business plan? And they will explain it to you and you go, that's not a real business plan. And it's this thing of monkey see monkey do where someone decides, I see this person in entertainment doing it. So obviously it must be right. It's this thing of what's right is not always popular. And so it was a side theme that we had shot some stuff for. Um, and then we kind of threw away because we were like, it's not about this. It's not as interesting and it's not about food, but they certainly were. You may think when you watch this movie, these influencers are, well, they're not the caliber of influencers that you would see. They for sure are. They for <laughs> sure are. Quite frankly, the reason I didn't want to go ahead with like, having them because in the end I stopped them from selling it I don't actually reach out and pay them to do these posts uh, okay. they were smarter they were smarter than the average influencer I didn't think they were dumb I thought they were nice people right well that's the thing I feel like the the people that would have been the more dumb side like even if they're the ones that are yeah they have actually the higher influence uh, rate uh, are people who they would have come in and and I'm sure you would have put it in the film if it had happened. Um, maybe. Actually, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, the people that would have come in and sat down and kind of given their demands first before you uh, you could then explain what you were doing. Cause, uh, I... You know, uh, I can say this from not experiences in the film. Uh, these people were very much, um, they had lines. They had certain lines, like you saw with one the, the one woman. She she was like, you know, in other words, a line they wouldn't cross a border. Uh, right. She said, I, I wouldn't sell a diet pill, um, which is, is, is interesting uh, just in showing up and what we would be selling mm. and what would constitute as pill and what would constitute as supplement is another interesting idea. But um, 
not to accuse her of it, but that, that line itself. Um, but with a lot of these people, the business works sort of on a certain skullduggery, I want to say. Like, that's <laughs> that's how a lot of these people operate. You would think that they would come in and be like, okay, here's the rate, here's the thing. You'll actually notice a lot of these people don't list a flat rate. Right. And places that claim that they list a flat rate, uh, there's a few websites where afterwards we shot like a mini doc about, <laughs> shockingly enough, afterwards we shot a mini doc about going off of, let's see if we can get influencers to advertise this anti-influencer movie. <laughs> and we paid some people small amounts of money and took these screenshots and, and, and had them do stuff. Um, th- it was totally the opposite. As soon as you paid them the money, they went and ran with it. And they just started posting things. I was like, okay, no, you can't just post whatever you want. It was actually the other way. It was actually that these people with flat rates had no demands and just expected to be able to do whatever. And didn't even think that they're so used to these flat rate people of of you not even talking to them that they assumed like there probably isn't a, a person on the other line of this. And when you would confront them and be like, you can't say that. Like, for example... You have to say if you're running an advertisement. Yeah. It's illegal to come on here and this whole time, you know, this is different. It's an artistic interview, but obviously you know I'm trying to get you to watch my movie and we're reviewing the movie. But so many of them didn't understand that basic law, which is what the FTC was arresting people for. It was you lied about whether or not you're selling an advertisement. And even in doing it through some official channel where there was a flat rate, they would post these things. They'll be like, I don't want you. You need to take that post down and put sponsored post on it. And they were totally unaware. They were totally unaware. They don't have demands because it's, it's, all, it's all smoke and mirrors, to be honest. And they're hoping right. you pay them more is really what it is. If they tell you a flat rate, they'll feel, oh, I could have gotten more out of this. It's, it's very Wild Westy. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously each time that they get the job... It's like okay, if I if I really go all in and I decide I'm gonna make twenty posts on this and it's gonna be blasted out every single day this entire month, like that's also them building their brand for the next person to come along. So yeah, they're not necessarily focused on the message of the ad; they're focused on saying, "Look at what a good job I did." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that they can get a thing and and. Shockingly, it's one of these things where it's so easy, and yet that sort of attracts the spaciest of persons. Um, yeah. The people doing this often forget. Uh, often you can make them an exorbitant offer, and they won't do it. Um, they'll have you, there, there's, I've seen this thing with influencers where people get quite aggressive because these people uh, don't do it. <laughs> these influencers <laughs> just forget to do it. It's this thing of, like, it's so easy to make money on the Internet. And because it's so easy, that's how that's what attracts people. It's so easy, um, right? And and that's not a that's not a great way to pitch it. Um, and you you can't make money. Uh, just yeah. to be fair, you can't you cannot. You, you can't. No, it, it, it's interesting because it, it is kind of like it's almost like a pyramid scheme without the actual bit of someone recruiting people. It's more that someone sees the person at the top and then says yeah, I want to do that. And so they just join. (laughs) No one making them do it. They just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting that one guy who wanted to be an influencer, um, there's one guy who comes in and he says he wants to get in. They all are sort of on the precipice of wanting to be influencers. But this guy wants to be an influencer. He, He sees it as a thing. And he had, which we cut out, he had some amazing attitudes about 
um, women's body image. He was he was uh, you know really outspoken about creating a positive sort of version of the internet. But you could tell he didn't quite know how people made money on the internet. And he so there's one guy that comes in and says you know oh I used to work for this cell phone company and. Um, I was social, I was social media for there. And I was, you know, what do you mean you're social media? And he sort of goes into this thing of, he would just post deals like they would have like deals that nobody asked him to advertise. And so he's just, so, <laughs> but at the same time, out of all those people, he was the most successful. I, it was hard to understand him in a lot of ways, but he was the most successful influencer. A, 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 he would do this horrible thing you see on the internet where people just tag a million people. It's so insufferable. But yeah. he was getting paid. He's bad at pitching himself because you can see there's something going on there. But he was getting paid to write the descriptions and hashtags for a, a, a certain Instagram website. The other people had never been paid to do anything on the internet. And it was kind of this thing of me trying to build up, like, you've done this before. And he couldn't <laughs> quite get that he was sort of successful compared to other people. But you see in podcasting, too, you know, we, I, I, uh, we get paid to do um, my podcast. Uh, I, I mean, I'm starting a new one. So I think by the time this comes out, my new podcast will be out. Uh, hashtag cult. But um, Hack Thought, we get paid to do it. And when you say to people, like, yeah, we get paid minimum wage, but that's better than 90% of podcasters. Yeah. And it's this thing of if you know your industry, you know how successful you are um, in what you're doing. And this guy, like you said, it was like a pyramid scheme where you volunteer. He's just out there. He's just, he's just starting <laughs> doing it. Uh, he doesn't quite know anything about it. Yeah, he, he just somehow stumbled up the first rung. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, oh, yeah, no, it looks exactly the same for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, it is interesting to, even just that culture, like, I, I've i never understood it. Uh, it's it's not my scene. <laughs> but uh, fair play to those people that can actually make it work. <laughs> now, here's the question that I always ask to people when they say these things. If you have never been um, on the live stream of an influencer on Instagram. I recommend you do it. I was on one and it was a friend of a friend mm -hmm. and I'd never been on one because I sort of agree. I don't, I really just want to see my friends pets when I go on the <laughs> internet. Um, but I want people to see my art and I see my, my colleagues art and I'm always into that. But right. other than that, if I'm actually using the social media outside of my business and my profession and my craft, I really just want to see pets. So I, I'm like you. I wouldn't think to go on some person who's half naked on the internet and look at their feed and or a live feed, a live stream. I would recommend you do it just to see what it's like. It is, it's out of this world. It's not out of this world and good, but like if you're not into this stuff and you watch this, you're like, oh my gosh, these people are from a different planet. These people, do, I don't live on this planet that these that this is happening on. I can't live on this planet that this is happening on. But you do. Yeah, kind of the the idea of uh, a train wreck. Like, you, know, you don't want to look, but, you know, <laughs> you can't help yourself. You're like, what is going on over there? What's, <laughs> what's important, and, like, I have a project going on now that's the thing of it. Look at the comments. Look at the, the, the things. You know, they sometimes bring people into the stream. Watch that stuff. And the people that comment and the type of comments are odd. They are. Yeah. They are odd. <laughs> And, and I, I've said this for years, and, and, and this movie inspired the next one, too. Um, but, you know, 
I genuinely don't comment on things. I don't feel a need to it. So you got to think about a person who's making tons of comments. What's going into that psyche of that person? And, you know, like you think, oh, they're an influencer. They get all these different likes. Yeah, but like how many, you as a normal person, how many posts are you liking with, you know, somebody with abs holding up a can of energy drink? Probably not that many. So you got to think there's a whole contingent of people out there that are liking these things that you're not really running into. Um, and it's, it's, a we- it's a weird feeling, if I'm being honest, to, to, to feel that this culture is going on in the background. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, it, it, I've, I've never, as I say, I've never been able to fully understand that side, and probably because I have no interest myself in delving into it. Um, like, yeah, I, I've never seen it as a possible avenue of mine. Uh, I fully admit that uh, my physique does not lend itself to that. <laughs> oh, now come on, this is a movie about about feeling good about yourself. Now, that, that I don't think that, I don't want, I would hesitate to encourage anyone to be an influencer, but there's there's no need for abs to be popular on the internet, everybody. Okay? Uh, no, 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 not at all. No. Uh, yes. Uh, I don't have abs was, either. No, yeah. That, it was what more am of I a dig consistently at, uh, erect? What was it? There. Uh, um, ever erect. I think ever we erect. Because I wanted the, uh, the alliteration in there. Oh, yes. You're a better writer than me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I was more going for the uh, um, yeah the stereotype of the yeah uh, yeah the young hot person who is the uh, the Instagram influencer that uh, their entire life is built around it. Saying, yeah, yeah, too much work, way too much work. I'd rather just work and get money that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like 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 it's interesting with internet trends too. While we're on it, like for me an internet trend that I really like in terms of actually just working. Like I'm really into industrial hammers. Um, okay. Where there are these, um, like you can look up world's largest hammer and there are certain uh, industries. Like I think one is making um, like wheel wells for machinery um, and they need to use the only way to do it. You can't, it's too big to pour into a mold. So they pour it into a mold initially and then pull out these giant like, steaming hot cylinders of metal and they use what's called an industrial hammer and they are just these giant i don't know how to describe it other than these giant pistons these giant things that just slam down and it's like like that's more interesting to me on the internet than you know i know i've seen hot people before (laughs) and they're doing things that's not very interesting for hot people to do but a lot of it came down to narcissism too, which is which is part of it. Which was you know towards the end of the film too. It's like you, you're kind of preying on the idea that you're important to these people. And uh, the current project we're ta- we're working on, we want to enter. You know, I'm I'm investigating this cult called MGTOW. Uh, they're a, a red pill philosophy. They're you know sort of sexist and misogynistic. And oh goody, yeah, it's been interesting. A lot of nights of uh, just worrying about these people, but. Uh, they, they one of the things that we we want to touch on is is these influencers and, and youtubers and things like that and uh, uh, a, a thing called transference which is um, in psychology when you have transference you have uh, a lot of times when you're in therapy and I've, I've been in treatment um, there's a part where you gain a natural affinity for your therapist it's a thing that happens and transference is this thing where you 
decide that person is your friend or even more than that. It can go in extreme cases if it's not handled the right way. And these influencers sort of have a narcissistic streak where they go, narcissistic streak where they go, yeah, I mean, you're seeing more in me than is there, but because it behooves me to make you think that, I don't discourage it. I don't say something like, no, this is just a channel. Like, I'm not your best friend. That a lot of them are sort of portraying themselves to be like your friend and like, you know, I'm your confidant and I have the scoop and I can help you. Um, and it isn't, it is narcissism to, to, if you know about this phenomena, you should not be, you know, preying on people that way. No. Yeah. It's just morally, ethically, all of those Elise things. Yeah. <laughs> all the Elise. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and we're at the ending I'll... of the film yeah. where I pay, I guess this is a spoiler of spoilers. I pay, mm-hmm. a, I pay a doctor to say that my bags of air are medically sound. Now, uh, it's never made 100% clear in the documentary. Um, was that person, did that person actually hold any sort of doctorate whatsoever? <laughs> I genuinely want to know. In America, it's illegal to say you're a doctor if you're not a doctor, uh, okay. especially if you're giving medical advice. It's just flat out illegal. Right. This person did claim to be an MD. Yeah, they have a profile. Um, I'm sure if I, you know, if you look at the file name, you can find them on Fiverr, which is where we got them. Right. Um, so my point was in the end was I didn't research this person because it's not worth my life. But okay. <laughs> they claim to be a real MD. They they claim all those different things, and they they will they offer as part of their services. The big thing was, you know, like I said in the movie, they asked if I wanted the coat, the the lab coat. And I was like, oh, for sure I need a lab coat. Oh, and of <laughs> uh, it was only by coincidence that it had such and such MD on it. So they did claim to be an MD. We had someone call in to, to be a part of the project that claimed to be a doctor and said that MD was not relevant to being a medicinal doctor in their own way. But they claimed to be an MD, and, and, and I believe they were. I mean, the fact is, is that this is the Wild West is that person probably hasn't even as popular as the movie is and as, as, as widespread as it's been. Um, and the fact that they did it, um, they probably will not get caught. Um, that's, that's, that's just the way this works unless we go and we, you know, report them. But even that we have right. to do a lot of research to figure out where they actually are. And if they're working, if they're not working anymore, if they've just decided to leave medicine, well, what can, what can they do even, you know? Yeah. And, and and yeah, that is something I I don't know much about the uh, the legality of the differences between PhD MD. Like when you can take a doctor, if you have a PhD, you have that. That that's yours. Uh, that, but MD is that something that that a title that stays with you forever, or is that only when you're practicing? You know, I know you do have to get a continuing education. That's part of being... uh, Same with certain other doctorates. You can't claim to be... uh, I don't believe you can claim to be a lawyer for as long as you want. Um, You have to continue to get education. There's there's certain required hours. And in fact, one thing that we didn't know was... um, uh, One of the people that was an influencer said they they had a certificate in being a... um, I don't want to say the wrong words, but something akin to being a yogurt, a yo- yogurt, a yoga teacher. <laughs> they was I don't remember the actual words. It wasn't just yoga teacher, but we looked okay. into it, and they they actually had continuing education requirements that had to go through um, accredited universities, and it was a. It's very surprising when you look into this stuff. 
like especially with dietitian. Dietitian is the real term where you need continuing education and certain hours and a certain degree and nutrition is the fake one. It was very shocking to then learn also that like this yoga certificate this person had was legitimate, that it wasn't fake. Because I thought for sure I was so smug sitting there in my chair interviewing this person like yoga certificate. I'm going to look into this and it's going to be fake. And it's like, no, it's more serious than a lot of other degrees. You know, you have to continue to get this, uh, you know, as medicine changes, you have to do that stuff. So I don't know whether this person was at one time MD and because they're not working somewhere, there's no medical or legal ramifications until, you know, a big thing in America is it's not a problem until you call it out to be a problem. That's a big way. That's how um, we talked about supplements there's a, a bunch of great documentaries about supplements and steroids. That's how that works as well, is if you will buy something not approved by the FDA, uh, roll the dice, because yeah. essentially if the FDA doesn't approve it, it's your own fault, unless you yeah. then sue the company, unless you then say they misrepresented something that's in it, and then of course you have to get like, you know, a spectrometer to figure out what's in the product and all those things. So there's this um, level where you, 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 you have to make a claim first, uh, I know that there are certain other parts of the world where that's not the case. Um, in fact, it's even more it's even more protected where uh, you have to pay somebody else's legal fees um, to sue them or to bring a case against them unless you're proven correct. Uh, it's a weird system, but it, it does it does exist out there. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, I, I was going to say I believe John Oliver has done something on specifically that the whole idea of supplements and fda approval and what it takes to to go into selling those and that people do do it without fda approval and you're allowed to do it if you just say that there's even you know as long as you don't say it cures cancer basically you can sell whatever the hell you like and yeah if people buy it it's on them so yeah well you can even say certain claims and it's a very – we got into it a little bit in terms of um, research, but, you know, I don't know with cancer. But essentially, right. you can make claims uh, if you have some science behind it. If you've done an independent study and it's not there, you can even – even if it's a badly done study, there's sort of some – and this is all vague, you can look into, you can go, the FTC has a really great, like, sheet of what you're allowed to do as a medical professional and all those things. I would recommend go looking at it if you're a boring person like me who actually goes to first-hand sources <laughs> and reads this stuff. But they have a really great sheet about what's legal and what's not legal. And it's interesting because essentially one of the things they say is, like, if you show good, I don't remember the term, but if you show, like, good faith in trying to do science, uh, you can kind of get away with even more than, right. than, 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 than what's there. If you show that you've done an experiment, then even if you don't get FDA approval or you don't whatever, you can make certain claims, but you have to show that you've done some science. So it becomes really dubious. The FTC did some great work in taking down a lot of influencers who just, who just benefited off of this, but uh, it's amazing how... Uh, how misunderstood I see it almost every day in doing this thing now is I see someone not understanding what it means to not be approved by the FDA. And honestly, after doing a whole documentary, I don't even understand fully what it takes to get approved by the FDA. Um, right. You really have to have gone through it or be in that industry to, to understand it. Um, and it's scary to think like even Jonas Ullman saying like he was at a place that sold supplements 
And he didn't, you know, this is a guy going for his degree. And this place is so narcissistic that and, and so into themselves that they don't even think like, hey, that guy's getting a degree. Like, this is an idealistic student, you know, who's just like out of college and like he knows all the rules. He's just studied them. Like, maybe don't tell him about the supplement stuff because he knows all this stuff. Like, no, they're just it. it, it it's it's an it's an interesting world. And it's interesting to look at it from our perspective. But I think what the movie tries to illustrate is if you have had guilt over food, if you have had uh, a problem with food, if you have felt as though you ate too much, you ate too little, whatever it is, you're not eating the right thing and you have that anxiety. How promising does that stuff look? You know, yeah. and it's easy. It's easy for us to say right now, sitting on a podcast being, oh, yes, well, there's foolish people. <laughs> But you know, all of us feel. Oh, rather. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, how oh, how silly they think this will solve their problems. But uh, like you know, it, 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 we've all felt gross about our bodies. I think most people do at some point. At what point do you get to where you're like, I'll take this, I'll take that. That's that's it. That's it, it, it's a little bit like the movie I'm making now. No one's immune to this. No one is. No one hasn't had that thought of I'll try this thing, and no one doesn't. No one is immune of not having tried something that is like definitely not safe for them, you know, in their body. That that's what I've sort of learned is everybody's done something that is like, if you tell it to other people, you'd be like, wow, that's dangerous. <laughs> you know, no one hasn't been there because it is it is hard. Uh, you know, having a human body, it feels gross at times. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, can. Can be interesting having one of these human bodies. Yes, uh. <laughs> people are gonna think we're part of some conspiracy. <laughs> we were talking. You were one of those well, lizard I mean, uh, people. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm personally from a little town called Nightvale, so I'm uh, yeah. uh, I'm akin to all of these weird things that happened. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> try not to take too much of everyone's time here. Um, I did have one or two little questions just kind of round up. Um, I mean. Is there anything that you absolutely wish you could have included in the documentary, but you just had to cut for one reason or another? Well, we talked about some of them, um, right. so I won't go. I won't go into those. Um, Anything else then? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, well, I'm just saying, go back and, 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 right. and if you want to hear all of them uh, <laughs> that I absolutely wish I could have included. Um, you know, I wanted to do maybe more man on the street stuff. I wanted to maybe okay. get people's opinion. Um, there was a plan at a certain point I made, um, art. Uh, the plan was, was that the movie was storytelling. And what we would do is we would summarize the whole thing with storytelling. One of the artists that I meet at the vegan food festival creates, uh, art with food, uh, food with art. And I myself am a, you know, an animator and I do physical art cause I, I'm trained in stop motion. And so I made these um, paintings and, and I sort of, I took an old, uh, the box that my Mac came in, I turned it into a lunchbox for fictional characters to make a commentary. And the idea was to do several, because primarily where I, I, I came from when I started doing film and things like that was the world of comedy and the world of art and doing art shows and comedy shows and setting them up in certain locations. And so the end of the movie was not supposed to be us having this nice moment reacting to these things, the end of the movie was going to be three or four art events. 
and getting people's reaction to different food arts and doing this man on the street thing. But in our art events, we actually had before the pandemic a scheduled um, comedy show in New York City where everyone would do you know, a, f- a few minutes of food-related material and the movie would end in sort of this way where we could laugh about how crazy this stuff was. And I actually made these pieces, you know, ready for this art event. We were going to, in Boston, have... Um, there's some gallery here, galleries here that we were going to have different food artists come together and submit and create a whole event. Um, and just via delaying a little bit by the grace of God, in, in a way... Um, it was delayed, and I, I, I uh, then the pandemic happened, and then they became canceled. Um, but to be honest, by the time we were delaying, I had already decided I wasn't going to include them, and that they would okay. be sequels to the documentary, uh, that it would be bonus material. So that was that was the big ending of the movie. Was so that I'm actually looking at one of the projects right here. Like one of them was. Um, I'm really disgusted when people market to kids and it's seemingly allowed nowadays, especially when you consider that the minimum age for Instagram is 13. And yet I even see things saying that a 10 year old can join Instagram. Um, but there was this whole thing where it's like these characters I created, these, these food characters selling you this thing and sort of talking about the manipulation of, of, of kids um, in this giant lunchbox uh, made out of this Mac uh, thing and a cereal box I had painted over that says, you know, eat our fat and it's like all about like this this fat-based uh, cereal product um with all these fake logos on it that would have been really great to get to include and there were some hilarious bits that these comedians were going to do on camera um that that really that i wanted to include yeah even as okay. a sequel even as bonus material i did want to all right yeah that, that would be interesting um I, now i kind of want you to try and get it done as like a you know like via zoom I think like you know how you've seen um, some of these things recently where they have you know cast uh, of films reuniting. Oh, those are the Zoom Lord of the Rings stuff. one was great. Did you watch that? I I did. I watched that one. I also watched um, for the tenth anniversary the about ninety percent of the cast of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World got together and re and read through the script like somewhat edited for time but it's an hour and a half long i'll tell you something while we're on british stuff before you and i go into a whole rant again look (laughs) around you i don't know if they do it in the in the british dvds but in the american dvds the audio commentary is done by other people including uh michael Sarah and um jonah hill doing the audio commentary for one of the episodes it's a great find if you can get it Season one, not season two, where they do the uh, the whatchamacallit, the sort of a talk, the 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 a news show version of it. In, in yeah. the season, I don't, I don't, I've actually never seen the season two DVDs. I I don't know that they exist. I they exist in England. I can tell you that they yeah. they probably don't exist over here. I would assume. Um, Hard to know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, also. Very quick tangent before we do get back as well. The the space DVDs over here in America, they have the audio commentary with like Kevin Smith and I think Quentin Tarantino and, wow. and all of those. Whereas in England, we didn't get that. That's really cool, man. That's worth getting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was insane when I I heard that and um, my good friend Brian, who I started this podcast with, still on extended hiatus. Uh, he lent that. To me so that i could uh, i could watch that and listen to those they were 
very cool to hear. get my hands on it. I never thought about <laughs> Spaced. In the, I mean, I don't know why it didn't occur to me. You know, like, I like those those people, and I think that, like, I don't know. Now I got to get it. Now you got something else to my crippling DVD addiction. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, the, the final question we kind of touched on it actually you, you were you were talking about it a little bit i was just wondering what was it that led you to uh ending the documentary with just the two of you sitting down and uh watching those clips you know we wanted to i think that a lot of uh movies especially on dieting and trying to give you advice and trying to make it seem like they figured stuff out and it, for me, the experience of making this movie is not that I'm somehow enlightened on food. I don't feel as though, you know, I don't want people exiting this movie thinking like, wow, you know, that guy is so much smarter than me in food. There was a narcissistic trend going on throughout dieting things where it's like, you think you know, but I actually know. And it, it, sort of we wanted to end it with, in the end, remember that like happiness is kind of not, I don't like things that end that way too. Like, you know, the real mess, the real treasure was us all along. But I think the thing was, was that we had fun making the movie and we had fun learning all these different things. And it was kind of this idea of, um, the movie was, was about just being less anxious about these things. And, uh, not that I'm your guru or that you somehow will get less anxious from watching it, but just, Simply that a lot of these things want you to go and do something. A lot of food documentaries want you to do something or want you to start appreciating something. And we wanted to end with us just kind of being like, yeah, and life goes on. And like, <laughs> we didn't think about this stuff before and the healthy person doesn't think about it after. Or we thought about this stuff and it drove us crazy and it's still going to drive us crazy. You're not somehow better from watching this movie. It's a, if you have a problem, go get help. If you're, you know... It, it, it was meant to kind of show like it, 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 it should be there's these documentaries where they end with like food brings us all together. And it's like, it doesn't though, does it? Because it's just food. And <laughs> we kind of wanted to end with it's, ju it's just food. It's just food. It's just food. And that's, oh, and that might get you into a really extreme place. It might get you to a really extreme place, but it shouldn't be a big deal, but it is. And yet at right. the same time, like, you know, we should try and salvage or, or savor the moments actually where you're not thinking about food. And we kind of wanted to end with a little bit of an anti-food thing. It's to be like, because there's these two documentaries, right? There's the thing where it's like, you don't know that your chicken is actually made of my shoe, specifically mine. You know, like, and then there's the other <laughs> side where it's like, you have to love food. It's so great. Food is like this precious thing. And it's like, those are two things that, kind of are inciting me to have some other hobby or to be interested in stuff. And we kind of wanted to end with like, just relax, hang out with your friend and eat popcorn. That's the majority of what you're going to be doing with food when you're happy. And uh, th that, that, that was really the inspiration. We also had a lot of food that we could mess. I ate all the food in the movie. That's a real thing. I ate every <laughs> single thing, even when we're throwing stuff at each other, except for the pumpkins, which were display pumpkins. We, I ate every single thing in the movie. I didn't let any food go to waste. Well, there you go. Well done. <laughs> Not contributing to the landfill there. Well, you don't know. <laughs> How do I eat food, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say it. 
basically if there's any overarching message it is just sit down eat food and watch the great british bake-off because uh, yeah that's that's what you need to see when you're watching a, a cooking show is the the british version of it i would agree with that i would agree with that wholeheartedly <laughs> uh, that's a big part of our relationship is the great british bake-off we've actually made some of the paul hollywood like recipes from the special special editions of oh okay of, uh, uh, the, the christmas specials and things like that we've made those uh made those breads big fan of bread <laughs> well and why wouldn't you be yeah. <laughs> all right um Okay, well, with that random tangent at the end there, uh, I'd say we're probably at a good jumping off point. So two things I wanted to, to do here. Number one was, I believe you have a, a code that we can actually give to the good people. Well, one. the good person. <laughs> the one good person that is able to get to this film on Vimeo. And uh, if you wish to buy it, you can put in this code and I believe it will only cost $2 to purchase if you put in this one. And it is Bloke44, which is B-L-O-K-E-4-4. But also, let them know your Twitter because when we put this out, (laughs) we're going to make a special little code. So right now, one person, go get it right quick. You heard it, go get it. But go on Twitter if you missed it. Good job. Are you sweaty? (laughs) Shouldn't be. Uh, (laughs) Unless it's unrelated sweat. Uh, But uh, otherwise, go to to Blockbuster's Twitter because we're going to put out a a, a bigger code that won't give you as much of a discount. But But more people will be able to use it. Ah, See see how this works? (laughs) We're kind of being our own influencers right now. Yes, (laughs) and we'll both take our shirts off. Except, you know what? We'll promise not to take our shirts off. How's that? (laughs) There you go. Yes, I promise not to post a picture of myself in a semi-naked pose. I also take this vow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, uh, you can obviously find us through the social medias um just search at blokebusters on facebook and twitter and instagram and uh, you could also email us at the blokes at blokebusters.com if you really want to if you want to be lovely people and do that uh but more importantly where can people find you i am currently working on a project to kind of get rid of um people on the internet got not get rid of the people but get rid of an attitude on the internet uh <laughs> that's really been harmful um, you can go to hashtag cult.org that has the current investigation that we're doing. It was really inspired by this project to release as much of our cutting room floor stuff as we can from our project. So we release all the raw footage as we get it. Um, hashtag cult.org. There's a lot of really harmful groups on the internet right now. And, uh, we're trying to educate people as to why they happen. So, um, that's really, I usually don't do, do plugs, but I like this cause a lot and we're trying to help some people. Um, go there, get educated, and check it out. Otherwise, probably I'll be retweeting something from the Blokebusters, you know, feed. So I'll be on there. You could just see me there, probably bothering everybody about something they said about a movie. You know, <laughs> I'm a fan of podcasts. I'm a fan of this podcast. You know, people always say, "Can you listen to my podcast?" I go, "Do you be be careful what you wish for?" Because I'll listen to every episode and talk to you about something that you said 121 episodes ago. <laughs> well. 
I would be very, very interested to hear what you had to say on our first few episodes, because I guarantee you it sounds nothing like this one. <laughs> it's on. It's already downloaded, so you better uh, get ready. All right, I... Tell you what, if you are willing to live tweet yourself listening to every single episode we have ever put out, then I think you will be uh, a main feature on the website. Uh, <laughs> I will shove you on that website, sir. <laughs> Happy to do it. I, um, well, with all of that being said, I have been Paul, and he's been Mike, and uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh... Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.